Chair from a child, Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Alright. So we're going to get to you guys in a minute. Uh, we do have a child dedication that we'd like to do today. Uh, we had one that couldn't make it. Uh, Jacob, settle down, Denise. Sorry. Um, uh, little Jacob, uh, Molly's baby, uh, is sick and uh, couldn't be here with us, so we'll, we'll get them plugged in a little bit later. And then uh, I'm going to ask uh, you guys to hang out there for just a second. I'm going to introduce you here in just a moment. Uh, but I also want to let you know that we'll have, uh, we've got some small Bibles for each of the kids today and a certificate that we'll get to you. We need to make sure we have perfectly right spelling and all that stuff before we do that from you. So let's make sure we get that today. But um, just as a matter of explanation, uh, there are some traditions where um, infants are baptized, um, children uh, are baptized, maybe even before they have knowledge of, uh, of who God is in the way that we might understand it. Um, that's not what we're doing here. Uh, what we do this morning isn't any sort of impartation of, of salvation or, or, or grace beyond our grace extended to these children and to their families and their extended families. What we uh, do when we do this together in our tradition is we're uh, asking uh, parents if they're able, and uh, I don't think Angela couldn't be here today either, right? So we've got the grandparents here today with these beautiful children, and they're so involved in their lives. Uh, but uh, Billy's off at uh, National Guard stuff, right? <laughs> so he's doing that and couldn't be here, uh, and Angela couldn't be here, but grandparents have, have come with their blessing, and we're glad to do that. So what we do is we ask uh, the family of these wonderful children that are part of our community and that their, their parents and their grandparents are part of our community to sort of uh, to dedicate themselves to making sure that they take every opportunity to give to these children the knowledge, the understanding, the love, the grace of the Lord so that they can grow up to be children who know God and who find uh, the presence of God to be important in their life. Uh, and then uh, we as a church, we say that we, every opportunity that we have, when these families come to be with us, to be part of us, right? When, because they, they are part of us. And when these children come and they're with us in our children's ministry or they come to other uh, events that we have, that we are doing everything that we can to provide a place for them that's safe, that's wholesome, and that presents to them the good news of Jesus Christ so that they can grow up with that knowledge and have an understanding and an opportunity to believe in him and to shape their life in the way that God would have them. Uh, Proverbs 22.19 says, Train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Now that's an interesting verse, and I know a lot of, a lot of parents cling to that because it doesn't say... Train up the child in the way that they should go, and they'll never make any mistakes. Uh, train up a child in the way that they should go, and, and they'll always love everything that you love, right? It doesn't say that. 
uh, train up a child in the way that they should go, and they will always think the things that you think are important are also important and give them just as much importance. It doesn't say any of those things. And uh, for those of us who are parents, we certainly are aware that uh, sometimes uh, having uh, our children and, and growing them up, it's a little bit of a roll of the dice, right? Who are they going to be? Where are they going to go? How's that all going to turn out? And none of that really is guaranteed to us. It's helped me to take the attitude that uh, my, my boys, my boys are really on loan. I've given them to God. We did this when they were babies. We dedicated them to the Lord. And really what we were saying and what we're offering uh, for these folks today is to say that yes, you know, there are kids, there are grandkids, but ultimately they are the Lord's. And we want God to be the father the mother, the grandmother, the grandfather. We want God to be everything in our children's lives as much as possible because we trust the promise that even though over the course of their lives and probably over the course of your life, you've deviated here and there from what God would really want, that his promise to us is that if we will raise them up, give them the knowledge of the Lord, express to them and be the love of the Lord to their lives now when they're young, that even, even should they wander, that one day his promise holds true, that they will return. All right? So that's what we're doing. I'm going to walk back here, because uh, I want you guys to walk up with me, because there's something symbolic here, all right? So Christ Community Church has been around for 17 years. Is that where we are, Jason? Something like that? 15. This year? 15. This year? 2003. 2003, that's right. So we've grown up some kids in this community, Right? Um, some of them are sitting up there, and some of us, some of them have come to us later. You know, we have opportunities like this with Liam and Avalon that we're going to meet today that uh, one day, maybe, like Christopher is and Hunter is, I'll pick them up because they were here when they were baby babies, right? That one day they go from this dedication time to this graduation time. And you see, our role is to have been involved in it the whole time. If we have the opportunity to be a church that loves them and supports them and helps them in their lives all through that time. And I think Jason's probably going to touch on the idea of that what about after they move on from being kids to young adults moving into the next phase of their life? What is the role of the church then? So uh, we've got Scott and Debbie Jansen here today, uh, grandparents to Liam and Avalon. And Sherry Worthy is here today, grandma to these two, and her husband Bill is at home, and I know he's a big part of their lives as well. And so I'm going to ask you guys to just come with me and, and join me up front. And this is kind of, this is a symbolic picture, right? Of one day they're walking up the aisle, or they're being carried if Molly's Jacob was here, as babies, as children. And then we hope that someday we've done a good enough job of being a good church and being a community that they're here with us when they stand at the edge of graduation, right? That's our hope. And guys, it's hard. You know, things change, life changes, people move, all that kind of stuff, that thing happens. But we've got to do everything that we can if we have the opportunity, as long as God wills that we can be together and be friends and be part of this community, we've got to do everything that we can to love these little ones, and you see all these other ones that are around here, and some of them have been dedicated as children here and as babies here before. Uh, we'll have this opportunity again uh, here in the near future, and maybe you see this today and you go, you know what, I'd like to do that. Uh, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to have um, each one of them introduce themselves, and I'm putting you on the spot. 
<laughs> but I want you to tell me, tell us who you are, I sort of introduce you, but tell us who you are, and then about each of these beautiful children, tell me just one thing that you really love. That, can you, uh, grandparents, I think, have no problem with this, right? <laughs> I mean, you spend practically all day talking about them anyway, so. All right, so, I'm going to let you go first. I'm Sherry Worthy, and this is Avalyn, and she is the kindest, sweetest, most lovable young lady. And Liam, he is just energetic and adventurous, and also very sweet as well. And we made a huge mistake. Dad's not National Guard. He's a Marine. Oh, Marine. Oh, so geez. Right. Marine Corps. Scott Jansen, these days known as the Mush and Mortician. I kind of sounded like a radio The best thing I think about the, the grandchildren is just the, you know, I love when they come up and give me a hug, say the word grandpa, and just, I love it. Never imagined it'd be that way. And just different experiences we've had. And, you know, every time I see the kids, Liam always asks when we're leaving for I did arrive. So. Got some future mushroom kids in the family too. But I just, I love everything about the kids. And those of you that aren't grandparents yet, once you do become grandparents, you know, it's all the, all the neat things. The best comment is, if I'd have known grandchildren were this good, I would have had them first. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's fantastic. So, Avalyn, Avalyn's name means beautiful breath of life. Isn't that, isn't that lovely? Liam means um, powerful protector. And so it's interesting to hear what they describe of their grandchildren and then to hear the meanings of their names. I don't know how that works out, uh, but I feel like those names really fit these two, right? And the descriptions that you gave, and that's, uh, that's really wonderful. So what I'd like to do uh, here is I'm just going to uh, pray for you, give you a blessing. And I'm going to ask you, church, to pray with me. You don't have to repeat the words I'm saying, but I'm saying in your hearts, determine, if you will. Now, look, if, if you're going to bail out and you're, you're going to be lame, don't pray. Right? Don't make promises you don't intend to keep. But if you really mean that as part of this church, as often as possible, when you have the opportunity to speak life and beauty and grace and the message of the good news of Jesus Christ into the lives of these children and all of our children and into these families as they go through life together. Because there's ups and downs, right? You know there are. And sometimes they need our prayers and they need our support. If you will do that, then you pray in your heart as I, as I give this blessing to Avalyn and to Liam and to their families uh, that you will do that and ask God to give you the opportunity. All right? 
So pray with me, would you? Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful family. We thank you uh, for Billy, for Angela, who uh, weren't able to be here today. But Lord, we love them so much, and we know uh, that they are doing such a fantastic job as parents to these two. Uh, but Lord, as we're so often reminded as well as these grandparents stand here today, um, our families can stretch so much bigger. And, and we're blessed when we have families like this, where grandparents are so vital, uh, they're close, they're nearby, and they can be those examples that help moms and dads as these kids are coming up. Lord, we pray for all of them, parents, grandparents, that they would be filled with wisdom, or that they would uh, be filled with love, that their hands would be gentle, that their uh, discipline would be true, and Lord, that uh, in every opportunity that they have as parents and grandparents, that they would, would pour out the love of Christ within them to these beautiful children. And then for Avalon and for Liam, Lord, we bless them in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Lord, we ask that your uh, peace would be upon them. Lord, that they would uh, know you fully. That they would encounter you in their lives. Lord, that they would come to understand the saving power that is in Jesus Christ. Lord, that they would determine in their hearts that they would follow you. Lord, that they would live lives that glorify you. Lord, we ask your protection to be upon them. Keep the enemy at bay. Cover them with our heads of protection as we pray for them and love them. And Lord, as often as possible, may we be together with them, with their families, enjoying this life that you've given us and celebrating you in Jesus' name. All right, so we transition from early beginning life to milestone life. Ask Jason to come and uh, do this part. Get the cameras ready because it's about to get embarrassing up in here. <laughs> oh, not them, the parents. Watch the parents. It's gonna get ugly. Ugly crying. Come on, come on. It's gonna be a little embarrassing for you, so you guys come stand up here. This is our graduating class, 2018. A wonderful group of young people. Uh, some of the finest performers I've ever seen are up in here. Um, and so we're just going to take a minute. Uh, we're not going to ask them what you're going to go do because, folks, it's a ridiculous question. I'll be 47 this year. I don't know what I'm doing. Expecting them to know what they're going to do is, is not much. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have them introduce themselves, tell you where they're graduating from, they are going to give you the highlight of high school, what their greatest victory, their biggest success was, and then what they're most looking forward to as a graduate. So, and I 
prompted, I gave you this like days ahead ago, so you should have good answers. So we're going to start right here. Hi, I'm Kelsey Lelig, and I'll be graduating from South on Monday. And I don't have like a huge big highlight, but I have like the combination of everything I've kind of done fine arts wise. Like I've been in over, I think now since sophomore year was my first show, and now I've been over like 16 shows now. And like I've done all state for music and like just kind of combination of that. So that's like my big high up there. Not just one single thing, but the combination of that. And then uh, what I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to like being able to make those decisions like, oh, I can move somewhere. Like I'm not, I don't have to be here. <laughs> like I don't have to be stuck. <laughs> it's just really exciting. <laughs> And also like being like, oh, if I wanted to be a biochemist, I could be a biochemist. Like I can just go go to college and do that. Like I don't have to be like, you have to have this plan and this plan. It's like, you want to take a class in that? Go take a class. So that's super fun and cool. So. My <laughs> was last summer I went, I was accepted to New York University's summer high school program with the Tisch, uh, which is their arts program, and I uh, participated in the experimental theater wing, which was so much fun, and I learned so much, and that was really cool. There, I think over 600 people applied, and in my particular program there were 17 of us, so that was really neat. Um, and then... What I'm most looking forward to as a graduate for the next week, I don't have any homework, which is fantastic. <laughs> and then the opportunities that come along with being 18 and being a graduate in college. Uh, my name is Christopher Simmons. I'm also graduating from South Cambridge High School. And uh, I think I was kind of torn between the two uh, two things for my greatest accomplishment. My first one was having the privilege of playing Tony in West Side Story, but then the other one was writing a song about my granddad. Aww. So, I'm not gonna cry. <laughs> he was crying. Um, and as far as, uh, what was the third one? What are you looking forward to? That, I'm looking forward to. Um, no school. And I'm actually really excited to go to college because I get to do musical theater there. So, looking forward to studying that for four more years. <laughs> What's up, guys? My name is Hunter Baker, and I also want to shout out my mom and all the moms in here. Happy Mother's Day. Appreciate all that you guys do. Thank you for who you are. Graduating from South, uh, my greatest accomplishment was hanging out with the boys. <laughs> I'm looking forward to getting rich. My mom. Almost done. Almost. Um, okay, I'm going to ask um, 
in, in the Bible, there's a tradition of uh, when people are being sent out, uh, when they are embarking from one life stage to another, it's, uh, it's, it's a typical thing to have the elders of the church um, sort of commission them and, and pray over them and send them out with blessings. So I'm going to ask our elders to come and uh, just kind of lay on hands and, and uh, our chief elder. We don't call him chief. What is the... Chief Elder. Our Chief Elder, Don Rabb, is, uh, is going to say a quick benediction over him, and then uh, see so you guys step forward. And then these guys can come on behind. And then uh, we'll have some quick wrap-up. Okay. 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 Well, yeah, I just want to thank you for this opportunity this morning to come and recognize these young graduates. Uh, Lord, before we actually do that, Lord, I want to tell you how much of Pleasure and a privilege it's been for me, and I think for everybody here to watch these young people at various stages of their lives and just uh, growing up and finally reaching this point. Lord, it's, it's been a privilege. We've been involved in the lives to varying degrees. Some of us a lot, some not so much, but always it, 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 it's, it's been <coughs> fun and, and encouraging to see what you're doing. Lord, I pray that as they go into uh, this next week here, where, where they all graduate here, Lord, that uh, as, they, as they go into it with a, a spirit of accomplishment and uh, pride in, in, in the things that they've managed to do over the past four years, that they will also go into it with a spirit of humility and awe and wonder and all the blessings that you put before them. There's not really a, a, a thing that they've accomplished this past four years that they could have done without you. And Lord, I pray that they know that. And then Lord, I pray as they go forward that they'll keep that same sense of spirit of humility and, and awe and wonder and love for you in their hearts that uh, as they, they go on to uh, perhaps further education or the work life, uh, new friendships, and perhaps new family relationships, or that uh, you'll be with them and, and they'll be with you and, and that uh, they'll look to you for direction and uh, uh, just cause them to, to have the, the time of their life for you pray that They'll be able to stop just as they perhaps are at this very moment at, at various points in their life and look back and just wonder at, at all the great things that you've done in their lives. Lord, we ask all these things in your holy name, Lord Jesus. Amen. All right. And uh, last thing here. Um, tempted to do a charge to the graduates sort of thing, but uh, I can tell you quite honestly, I think the last thing in the world they need right now is one more adult telling them what they need to go do. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give a charge to the church. Um, what you guys need to understand is um, research, actual scientific sociological research, uh, is telling us now that one of the greatest determining factors in a continuing life of faith in our young people 
is the church. Um, you know, how often does the church bemoan the fact that kids graduate and turn 18 and, and go off to college and they walk out the church doors and never come back? Um, we now are determining that um, one of the reasons for that is a failure on the part of the church. Uh, parents do their utmost to raise um, their children in, in faith and as an, in, in an example of the life of Christ. And uh, it's nice that we have youth groups and youth programs and camps and stuff that kids can go off to. But these things do not create the anchor that these young people need going forward to keep them tethered to a life of Christ. It's youth. It's when kids go off to college and know that the people back home will be staying in touch with them and checking in on them and writing letters and notes of encouragement. It's when their birthdays are not forgotten. It's when they've come out of a church tradition where the adults of the church have taught them what church looks like. It's when the church has refused to say, we're going to treat these children as children until they're no longer in our care. At some point, children become adults, and they need other adults to show them what church means. When those adults don't step up and show you what a church really is, how are you supposed to go out on your own with so many new influences coming into your life and know what you're looking for? So these kids, these young adults, have plenty of, of people talking to them, plenty of, of voices whispering in their ears, but this morning I give a charge to you, the church. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. Things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from the children, but tell to the coming generations the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. Church, I ask you, what message, lesson, inspiration, or example have you imparted to these young people that they will take with them? Positive? Negative? Any at all? Will they be more devoted Christ followers because of you? Will they be more faithful brothers and sisters in Christ because of you? Will they be more spirit-filled church leaders to future generations because of you? Before God, I tell you, the ongoing mentorship and support of this generation and each generation to come is your responsibility. Do not take it lightly, for your service to them is your service to him. Thank you. All right, uh, let's give the graduates and our, our kids that were dedicated this morning one more round of applause. For those little guys back there, we have them, yes. Not for you, though. Thank you. Can I 
Awesome. Uh, I do want to say uh, happy uh, Mother's Day to the moms that are here. Um, we don't usually do a, a huge emphasis, and uh, that might be different than the tradition that you're used to, but, um, but we do uh, recognize that. But we also recognize that uh, we have some folks uh, among us sometimes who would love to be moms, but haven't been blessed with that or aren't able. Look at you. I see you back there. Hang on. Give me a second. Um, and so we're sensitive to that. And then we also know, uh, because I, I get to know you folks, that we have some uh, folks in here who, uh, Mother's Day is actually really a traumatic time uh, for many different reasons. Maybe because, uh, to put it directly, their moms were terrible mothers. Um, or they've suffered great loss. And uh, we actually have folks that communicate to me that this is a day they don't come to church because there's so much emphasis on Mother's Day and moms, and I get it. Um, so I just wanted to acknowledge that. Um, I don't know what Jason's message is this morning, but uh, if I know him well, it's not gonna be uh, happily Mother's Day oriented. Yeah, so. Um, but we didn't want you to also think that we don't care, that we don't recognize the significance of the day. We do. And, uh, and then the final thing I'd like to say about that is to remind uh, everyone, and especially the women in our lives, that whether you are a mom, or were a mom, or would like to be a mom, um, these kids that are around us, uh, if you take the opportunity, you can serve, and, and many of you do, serve such an incredible role in the lives of these children and the people around you, uh, that so often that you probably don't realize that you are being a mom. You are doing things that are being a mom to these kids, and that we appreciate it, and we acknowledge it, and we love it. What do you want to say? You want to say something about your mama?
I cannot recommend this movie to you, so don't run home and add it to your list. It's not something you need to see, because um, it's just a not good movie. It's just <laughs> But the premise of this movie was the idea that for whatever reason, global warming, deforestation, whatever I can't even remember, uh, life on Earth could not continue. So scientists decided that the best place for humankind to go live was Titan, which if I recall correctly is a moon of Jupiter with um, hurricane force winds and oceans of methane and an unbreathable atmosphere and uh, already I'm going, why is this the ideal place to go live? Uh, because it sets up the premise of the moon. <laughs> Uh, the idea of which is, the scientists have taken upon themselves to transform human beings to be able to go and live in a place they are not suited to in their current condition. This is the story of Jesus. See, the whole premise of what Jesus did which, which too often, and this is the problem that we're going to address this morning, too often we reduce what Jesus did to a cross, to a death, to forgiveness of sin. And don't get me wrong, I am not trying to minimize that, but when we make that the whole focus, and make that the whole crux of our spiritual experience, we negate everything he did before that. See, before there could be a death on the cross, there had to be a life. And it's in that life, it's in the, the example, it's in the words and the deeds and the teachings of Christ that we find our own transformation. See, when he died on the cross, he opened the door, he, he started it, he said, I welcome you into this process. This is the first step, accepting what was done here, this is the first step of entering into this journey of being transformed to go and live forever in a place you are not currently suited to. When we come to Jesus, we enter into a relationship, and that relationship is what transforms us. I know this because I spent a lot of years not doing that. August 14, 1989, I walked down an aisle. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I knelt at my little bed and said my little prayer. It was the next Sunday, so 14, 13, like August 20th, I guess it would have been. I walked down an aisle. Somebody, I don't remember who, took me by the hand. I said, I, I want to I get saved. That's probably what I said, because I didn't know the church speak. Uh, and so whoever this was took me by the hand and led me in a prayer, probably the standard sinner's prayer, and then had me sit on the front row of the church and uh, had me fill out a card. And I think, actually said, you should read the book of John. Okay. And that was it. That was all. And it's a good place to start, but it's not a good place to stop. 
And I did, because I didn't know there was more. See, at that point, my understanding was, I have said this prayer, I have given my life to Jesus, and now I'm going to go to heaven when I die. I guess I just have to wait and get there. Nobody ever indicated that there was something more between the prayer and being dead that was going to happen. But I think, I, I almost hit the mic. I told you, you planted in my head. I think I knew in here that there had to be something more. Because within two months, I was at a place where I'm going, I, I don't know that I'm saved. There's, there's, there's got to be something more. There's, there's got to be something else that, that I should be doing or I should have done. Or, or I, it says I should be different and I'm not different. And what's happening? And then I got over it. And years passed. And nothing happened. And I didn't change. Nothing about me changed. Nothing significant. There may have been little moments, little tweaks here and there, and mostly all of those I can put down to serving in youth ministry. I don't know that what I did in youth ministry was of any use then, but it had some small impact on me. But, but seven years, eight years down the road, if I had taken an honest assessment of myself, I would have had to decide I was still essentially the same person I had been when I walked down that aisle all those years before. I bring this up periodically. Some of you may remember these days. Hopefully most of you don't. But back then we had these little, little envelopes that you gave your offering in every week. And it was official. You were on the hook because they sent personalized envelopes. Like, your name was on it. It wasn't just a, a blank sort of, hey, if you're doing something, fill this out. This was, your name is on this, you're responsible. And on these little envelopes, there was, there was little checkboxes. I mean, obviously, there was a big blank for how much you're giving. But there was, did you read your Bible every day this week? Did you go to church? Did you go to Sunday school? Did you invite somebody to church? Did you pray? That might be a big six boxes. More often than not, I did not complete half of these. And it seemed to me for all those years, this was the indication of whether or not you are making progress in your Christian life. Are you doing these things? But see, nobody was doing these things. I mean, only the superstars could check six boxes a week. Six boxes a week? Come on, man. I'm a human being. What do you want from me? Admittedly, there were probably some uh, folks who had been in their journey much longer than me. Who could fill out six boxes? Not me, man. I was in my 20s. Yeah, I'll be here for church. I'll be here for Sunday school. Eh, that's good, right? And for so many people, it was. For so many people, Christian life was reduced to, I walked an aisle, I said a prayer, I show up for church. 
let you in on something. Nowhere in the Bible, in black words or red words, do we get the indication that walking an aisle, saying a prayer, and showing up for church is all there is. But for so many churches in America, that, has, that is what the Christian journey has become. And I don't know if it's a salesman thing. It's like, you know, well, we got them to walk the aisle and say the prayer, and they fill out the card. If we ask too much more, they might say no and go away. So let's just keep it easy. Let's not ask too much. Let's not make it too demanding. Folks, a life with Christ is demanding. A life with Christ demands action on our part. And it's not because our action or our deeds get us in good with God. It's not like he's got a box. He's got a checklist where he's going, yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, you're making good progress. You know, he's got the chart with the little gold stars. That's not how he works. It's the work we do. It's the effort we put in with him in partnership that transforms us. That makes us people who fit in heaven. See, I think there's going to be a lot of people who get to, God willing, get to heaven and are going to have to hope there's like a remedial class. Because we're going to get to heaven completely untransformed and we're going to look around and going to go, I don't like it. This is yucky. I'm uncomfortable. I don't fit here. I don't like these people. You know why? Because you have not been transformed. Luke 9.23 And he, Jesus, said to all of them, If anyone would come after me, if anyone, if you, sitting here now, listening to my voice, have decided you are going to follow Christ, you have walked an aisle, you have said a prayer, you must deny yourself and take up your cross daily. This is not a misprint. It is not. Take up your cross Sunday mornings, 10 to 11.30, and follow me. Every day, from the moment your feet hit the floor till the moment your head hits the pillow, it is God's day, and you are in it. And you are to take up that cross and follow him every day. If somehow you think that coming in here on Sunday morning, maybe making the sacrifice and missing, missing, missing some football, and checking out at 1130 was enough of an input in your week, no, that's a lie. That is not what Jesus called you to First John chapter 2. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Now, in the word commandments here, we're not just talking about the Ten Commandments, we're talking about the commands of Jesus, what he taught, what he spoke, what he modeled for us. In his commandments, we're talking about the life model he lived. And to follow literally means walk in the steps of. 
Are you walking in the steps of it? By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. I am a Christian. I am a follower of Christ, even though I don't do a single thing Jesus did. I don't, I don't read the Bible. I don't study the Bible. I don't memorize the Bible. I don't pray. I don't fast. I don't spend time in solitude. I don't spend time in silence. I don't spend time serving other people. I don't spend time understanding the Bible enough to impart what I have learned to other people. I don't sacrifice my own good, my own rights, my own demands for the good of others. I don't give of what I have to serve others. But I'm following Jesus. My friend, see, like back in the day when my kids would come to me and they'd want to use a word, and I'm like, what does that word mean? I don't know. If you don't know what it means, you can't use it. There's a lot of people in a lot of churches should not be using the term following Jesus. It's like if I invited all these kids back in here and I said, we are playing follow the leader. Those kids, I'm, I'm going to play with them because they would take you on a journey that I'd be dead after about eight minutes. Maybe. <laughs> They'd be up, over, under, through you. I mean, literally, they climb over you. But if in all this crop, there was one kid who sat right here the whole time while everybody else played, and then the game got over, and he declared himself the winner. But, but you didn't play. You, you didn't follow the leader. I know, but I still win. It's ridiculous. But how many of us are living our lives just like that? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christ follower. But you didn't follow the leader. And if that's you, if you're claiming Christ follower status and you're not following the leader, what does that make you? A liar. Now, I'm not calling you a liar. Let's be clear. I'm not calling you a liar. I'm just asking you to use the common sense God gave you and do like a little math problem here. If you are this, you're that. If you're not this, then you're this. You know whether or not you're a liar. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him, whoever says he abides in Christ, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. As you go through this world, the people around you, Christ follower or not, should look at the things you say, should look at the things you do, and be able to determine, are you a follower of Jesus? Because our world has had far too much of people who claim to be followers of Jesus and yet display none of his characteristics. Years, and, and, and it's an ongoing problem. Years ago, 15 years ago, more, I went to a conference 
And this guy stood up and he did a presentation. And I don't really remember what the gist of it was. Maybe he was selling something, I don't know. But he showed a couple of video clips. And the first set of videos he showed, he went out on the street and he asked people. He was like in Southern California. He asked people, hey, man on the street interview, what do you think of Jesus? People love Jesus. Dude, Jesus is like, cool, man. <laughs> Literally, that was one of the responses. <laughs> Jesus is a righteous dude. Jesus was a great teacher. Jesus was a great man. Jesus was loving. Jesus was awesome. Everybody, man on the street, no skin in the game, thinks Jesus is awesome. And we're all sitting in the room, we're like, yay, Jesus, go! But then you know it's got to turn bad. So the guy goes to the second video. Hey, man on the street, what do you think of Christians? Did somebody just go, oh, yeah, that's what we did. It was not positive. It was not uplifting. But it was true. It was real. It was a world full of people who look at Jesus and what they know of him, and they look at people who claim to be his followers and go, those... That was close. <laughs> they look at Christians, they look at Jesus' followers and they say, those people inhale vigorously. <laughs> Suck. That's where that was going. Sorry, I, didn't, I thought we'd all be together on that. And, and, and they, they didn't just stop there. I mean, they were really willing to dig in and get down and get dirty. And Let's really talk about the Christians. And, and at the moment, I was like, oh, that's terrible. That's, that, no, that shouldn't be like that. But now I, I look back, and, 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 and having been one of those people, I was struck to my core about, oh, and I've been one of these. And I've talked about this at length in a sermon many years ago that some of you may recall. We won't go back there. But I knew, and I understood, and I wanted to say, no, those people aren't Christians, because to be a Christian is to follow Christ. And if you don't see Christ in them, they're not following him. How many of us sit here this morning claiming the name of Christ, and yet if we were to be honest, we can't point to a single thing in our life that looks like followership? I ain't trying to get on your case. It's not my place. I'm just sharing a word. If you're sitting here right now and you're feeling a little twitchy, a little uncomfortable, maybe you're getting mad at me and you're like, you know what, you're an idiot, shut up. I say, get in line, I heard that one a thousand times. But if you're starting to get antsy and you're starting to feel uncomfortable, that's not me. Remember earlier when I prayed that each one of us would have a personal encounter with Jesus? Yahtzee, that's him. James tells us, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. See, right, I'm laying this all out here, and I'm trying to, to be real and honest with you and telling you, some of you are claiming the name of Jesus, but you are not Jesus' followers. 
And there will be people who will sit here, and I am talking to you, and they'll go, yeah, mm -hmm, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, right on, amen. And get up and leave, never realizing I need you. And again, it's not for me to determine. It's for you to have the conversation with Jesus. Jesus, am I a follower? See, this is where we deceive ourselves. We don't want to have that conversation because we know. We know the answer. See, we have a tendency to not really talk to Jesus about or pray about things where we know it's not going to go our way. So we show up at church, we do the church person thing, and, and, and we think we're doing a great job, and we want to leave it right there, and we don't want to open ourselves up to the possibility that Jesus is going, I, who are you? Why are you talking to me? I don't know you. And again, this right here, kind of my wrap-up verse, and I had, folks, I had a lot of verses laying out where Jesus said, look, I am about you being transformed, you being changed, you becoming a fundamentally different person than who you are. I am not talking about showing up for church and church events and church potlucks. Spoiler? Read the Bible cover to cover? No, really, just read the Bible cover to cover. I mean, as a Christ follower, it's something you should do at least once. But when you do, whether you read it in English or Scandinavian or Aramaic or Greek or Hebrew, you will not find the word potluck. <laughs> it's not in there, which makes me think Jesus did not want us to have potlucks. <laughs> Jesus wanted us to do baptism, so he said baptism. Jesus wanted us to do marriage, so he said marriage. Jesus never said potluck. <laughs> I'm just, I need to see where this is going. If Jesus meant us to have potlucks, he would have told us. That would have been like number 11. <laughs> Thou shalt have potlucks and glorify the name of the Lord. So there's lots of verses I could have thrown at you where Jesus instructs us in this process of transformation. Jesus instructs us in the things that we should be doing. We should be actively engaged in every day. We should be living a life where each moment of each day, what we do and what we say and what we think is reflective of the person of Jesus. And see, see, we can only start to be transformed when we spend time with Jesus. You can only start to look like Jesus by being with Jesus. About a hundred years ago, I worked in a warehouse. Anybody remember Gary Kings? Yeah. yeah, they had a warehouse where all the cool stuff came from. Uh, they also had a warehouse where the fortunate few got to play with the cool stuff before it got to the store. So that was awesome. But those fortunate few also had days where they had to unload 40-foot trucks of, like, ski boots. Less cool than trying out a recumbent bike. But I worked there, and I worked with this guy. His name was Danny. He was really into weightlifting, bodybuilding. Uh, I was really into movies. Intersect, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right? So we started 
to the detriment of every other coworker, uh, we started, everything was Arnold. Everything we did all day, every day was Arnold. I moved the ski boots like Arnold. I carried these skis like Arnold. I carried this 110 pound weight set like Arnold would. All day, every day. I mean, just that little bit, I'm having like flashbacks. It's freaking me out. And, and there was like six other people in the warehouse who, the common refrain of the warehouse started to be, shut up! In less mixed company terms. Um, but again, but we just kept going, and we thought it was funny, and we thought it was cool, right up until the point where you realize, I, I can't stop. I can't stop! I'm off work, and I'm talking to my mom, and I'm like, yeah, I was a good day at the warehouse. <laughs> Why are you talking like that? <laughs> Going off to try to teach Sunday school to 7th and 8th grade boys who don't want to be there, and Jesus said to Peter, <laughs> Peter! You will deny me three times, Peter. <laughs> they thought it was cool. Everyone else in my life were like, you're an idiot, shut up. <laughs> See, yeah, I got a long track record with this. But doing and being exposed to somebody else for extensive periods of time and doing what the other person does changes who you are, and this is what Jesus intended for us. See, we meet him at the foot of the cross. He welcomes us into the life of Christ. He welcomes us in this first step of the journey of transformation, and he says, stick with me, kid, and I will make you something new. And he starts walking, I think sort of expecting that as followers, we're going to Yes! Follow! And so Jesus starts leading us down this path of transformation, and he goes... Jesus turns into slapstick comedy. Where, where, where'd you go? No, 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 no. I'm going to stay right here. I like where I'm at now. You know, the prayer thing was pretty cool, and, you know, walking down the aisle, that was all right. But, you know what, all the rest of this stuff you're going to want me to do seems like, tiring and hard, and I'm just gonna, you know how you get like, you know, three plans? You know, like you got the 999 plan, the 1299 plan, and the 2099 plan. I'm gonna go with the 999 plan, where like I just show up to church of potlucks. Is that cool? No. No, it's not. But so many of us have. And what we need to understand is that plan gets you nothing. And here's where it's hard. Here's where it gets ugly. And here's where we need to understand the full impact of what I'm telling you this morning is you may be sitting here right now fully convinced you are on the train to the promised land and you are headed to hell. Oh, stop being funny, didn't it? And the worst part is, there are people out there in the world who know they're going to hell. Why? Because Christians tell them they're going to hell. They're already well aware of it. Thank you very much. It's us in here right now who have convinced ourselves we're okay. 
We have deceived ourselves, never understanding that we are not on the train to the promised land. We started out there, we got to the station on time, but we never made it on the train. But, 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 but I said the prayer. Yeah, and? See, the prayer was the first step. You know, the journey of a thousand miles, blah, blah, blah. The intention is after the first step, there should be another step. And too many of us stopped walking. From Matthew 25, verse 41, Jesus is telling a parable about the judging of the nations. God will bring together all the people. One group of people will be goats. One group of people will be sheep. And he will divide them out. And he will say to the sheep, Hey, sheep, you're awesome. I've enjoyed hanging with you these many, many years. Head on over this way into the promised land. Things are going to be really good. I'll catch up with you later. Hey, goats. Yeah. Then he will say to those on the left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. He said, here's a whole flock of people over here. Depart from me. I'm going over this way with my sheep. You can't follow. See what this is? You had your chance to follow. You chose not to. Now it's too late. I am going with my sheep. You can't follow me. Then they, the goats, I'm just, I'm doing the right-left thing. I'm not indicating anything about this side of the room. Just because I'm pointing that way. Then they will also answer saying, Lord. See, they call him Lord. But, but you're our Lord. We, we know you. We're, we're one of you. Lord, we know who you are. I'm right. I called you Lord sometimes. Lord. Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, stranger or naked, sick or in prison, and did not minister? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. And these, these who thought they had a place in Christ, these who claimed the name, these who professed him as Lord, will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. As you look at your life, would you call honestly, honestly, don't have to tell anybody, don't have to share anything, just honestly, in your heart, in this moment, as you look at your life, would you use the word righteous to describe what you see? Or can you honestly say, okay, maybe I'm not righteous, but I'm becoming righteous. I'm on the path. I'm on the journey. I'm moving in that direction as I spend time with Christ each and every day. If you look in here and you don't see righteousness, that's a good indicator. 
that you're playing really good at church, but you're not being changed. You are not being transformed to spend eternity at a place you are not suited to. And if you choose not to follow him now, each day, every day, follow after him in his footsteps, doing the things he did, there will come a point where you will not be allowed to follow him. And that point will be when it's too late. Don't let that be. Let today be the day you say, I have accepted Christ, but now I choose to follow Christ. Would you bow with me as we close in prayer? Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he walk with you and you with him each day, every day. May you beginning this day seek out Christ, seek to understand him, seek to live in concert and union with him to the point where you begin to be as he is. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.